so thankful to be in your presence here today in church. We give you glory and honor and praise for what you are going to do here today. We thank you, Lord God, that you have great things in store for us today, and we just want to be able to put aside any of our weights, our hindrances, Lord God, that may keep us from being in your presence today. I ask that you just let your spirit flow from this service to the next. I ask that you flow through our Sunday school departments. Lord, that your presence will just be upon each of our kids, whether they are young or old, and that your presence will just fall in this sanctuary as well. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, oh, sure, I'm missing Polly. That's okay. No, um, I was just going to use him. He, didn't know, he doesn't know he's going to be used, so it's okay. Um, we're going to start off with our scripture today. And I think I asked, um, oh, horrible names today because I got too many other things running in my head. Elena for the NLT, but I don't think the Bible I have is NLT. So if, um, Elena, if you can bring up Hebrews for me. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Um, when you're working out, weights are a good thing, right, Polly? Weights are a good thing. I have two-pound weights that I struggle with uh, doing this. Um, we have five-pound weights, and then we go up to, I think we have 30-pound weights at our house, just the little barbell ones, right? But it would be kind of funny if we saw Polly or Travis or Owen or anyone else who lifts weight walking around every day with a 30-pound weight in their hand, right? Polly, you don't walk around with a 30-pound weight in your hand every day, do you? Okay, good. Oh, yeah, kids. Yeah, I used to be able to lift that all the time because when you have kids, literally, it's like carrying around a sack of potatoes are heavier every day. Um, but we don't walk around with those every day in our life because it would be cumbersome for us to do that, right? Um, I have seen people walk around with the weights around their ankles when they're running or whatever, but you don't wear those all the time because they wear you down. So um, the writer of Hebrew notes that this is in the scripture, to strip off every weight um, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Sometimes we can get so used to wearing those weights, though, that um, they, just they just become, right, a part of us. And so today we're going to talk about uh, a lady who decided that um, she was done carrying her weights around. Um, we find that if we continue to carry weights, weights, whether it is of the world, um, worry, stress, anxiety, or sin that besets us, that we get weary carrying those around. I'm sure that Paul or anyone else who goes do weights, when you're done lifting your weights, you're done for the evening. Well, I hope you would be. But <clears throat> because it gets, it's a workout, right? So in order to worship in the fullness of God, 
We need to put aside that which is hindering us and weighing us down. Um, so we're going to talk about this woman in Matthew. Nope, sorry. I keep referring to Matthew. I even wrote that in my notes and had to scratch it out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Now, this shady lady was referred to as a sinful woman. She was also referred to as the woman who anointed Jesus. You also may recognize her as being the woman with the alabaster jar. Her sins are not exactly detailed in Luke, but we can surmise that she was a woman of the streets or a prostitute. The Amplified Bible says that she was especially wicked. So we're going to start out in verse Luke, Luke chapter 7, verse 37. Um, we know that whatever her shortcomings were, she knew what was going on in the town, right? She did not hide her head. Um, probably in her position of work, she probably heard a lot of gossip, right, what was going on. So verse 37 says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. So he being Jesus. What is strange, maybe, is that why she wanted to see Jesus. What was it that she had heard that intrigued her enough to go and see Jesus? Luckily for her, Jesus was at a dinner reception, as it were, for him, and um, it wasn't, um, and back in those days, it wasn't, you didn't need to have um, a personal invitation. When someone said, hey, I'm having a party, there's a house party, remember maybe college days, yeah, everybody went to the house, right? So, it's probably not a very good analogy, but <laughs> the whole town knew about it, Right? So, and the man was wealthy enough that he could sustain and feed everyone that came. So that included even people who were not probably expected to be there. They would be there. So they were public banner or banquets. Um, and so the um, lower class in those days could come and at least get um, snacks, right? So whatever was leftovers, they could um, eat. Hopefully, well, it probably ended up being on the food. But, okay, so since women back in those days, so you have to put yourselves back in time, back in time, nothing like it is today, especially in America. Women in those days were not permitted to serve food, all right? So there wasn't anyone, you know, being a waitress for them. Um, especially at these fancy meals like this, and they didn't necessarily have big banquet tables. So you sat and you laid down on your side um, and ate that way. So that's important thing to remember when we go into these next verses. Because um, I had to reread the verse a few times, and then I realized, oh, Cheryl, you're not thinking sit-down dinner table, right? Um, these are... Um, mostly men laying down on their sides and eating and, and having conversation. Um, and she brought something with her. She brought a gift, and it says that it was a jar of perfume. 
So when we think of this originally, um, especially if you're a woman, you think of perfume. Ooh, perfume. You know, oh, I should have brought my perfume gloves. Okay. So <sighs> I have to confess. So not only do I like shoes, you guys. <laughs> I have a perfume collection, which is not really good, right? Because perfumes... You tend to be, at least I am, very picky about my perfumes, right? So I have, mm, off the top of my head, probably about 10 bottles of perfume right now, and I only stick to like three of them. One that I really, 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 really like, but it's expensive. It's almost $100, so I don't get that very often because, yeah, I may lucky get it at Christmas. I didn't, hey, I didn't get any for Christmas this year. I have to talk to somebody about that. <clears throat> I typically buy the cheap perfume, right? So you go to Bath and Body Works and um, get those. And they smell really good, right? And they're considerably cheaper than the $100 bottle that I really, really buy. And this is what really, really gets me out. So you buy the cheap bottles, right? And they're nice big bottles. You know, they can be like this. I mean, they're not like, but they're normal size. The expensive stuff is like, this little bit of a body, a bottle of perfume that you have to make use for the entire year because nobody can afford to buy it for you. Anyhow, I'm getting off track. Sorry about that. Um, so this bottle of alabaster um, perfume was not a big honking bottle, right? It was something that was small, compact, something that she could have slipped in her pocket or her tunic or whatever. Um, but... Um, Inside this was something that was very precious to her because it was something that not, you just didn't have perfume, right? It was just, so this was something that was precious to her. She probably um, had to put aside lots of extra money to um, get it and she um, kept it and she probably used it because of her profession, right? Tried to make herself smell good because let's face it, they didn't take baths like we do every day, right? So you want to smell somewhat nice. Um, so walking into this, um, this room, right, with all these people, she was probably, um, when she was thinking about having to do this. So let's step back and put in some thoughts before she even gets to this dinner. So we know that she's a prostitute, right? So we know what people think about her. She's not well thought of. She probably gets talked about a lot. She's the scourge of the world to everyone. Um, so for her to even think that to walk into this place to find this man called Jesus had to take a lot for her to do, right, to make that decision. I need to see this man. I recognize my life, and I need to go see this man and see what he's about. Um, so when she got there, she probably already heard, oh, sweet, what did you, did you, who invited her? What is she doing here? And they're probably, who, which one of you guys invited her? And literally, which one of you guys, <laughs> not Minnesota guys, but guys, who invited her? Why, would, why is she here? 
when a woman had lived a sinful life. Now, it's interesting that this woman does not have a name at all that we know of, at least not in Luke. She was willing to walk into the den of uh, to a lion's den to get to the Lord. Maybe she was just hoping to get a glimpse of him. But she had heard what kind of man he was, how gentle, how kind, the miracles that he had performed. Luke 37, 38. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So again, remember I reminded you, that they're not sitting at a banquet table. They're laying down. So it was very easy for her to not even face Jesus. She stood behind him. So that the moment that she was in his presence, mind you, the moment she was in his presence, tears started coming down her face, coming down. Any of you have had ugly cries where it's just, it's all over you? right? So she was ugly crying, you guys, so much that it was falling on his feet. Every impure thought, word, deed had probably just welled up when she came upon his presence. And it was just too much to hold in. And it overcame her. Her darkest shame mixed with a sense of strange, maybe happiness, being in his presence, because being in God's presence can only bring happiness, right? Tears of a harlot, harlot held back in anger from years of being on the street were finally being released to someone who cared about her, even though she didn't know that. Personally, she had heard. She didn't even try to stop herself. She probably couldn't even try to stop if she wanted to stop. Standing so close to Jesus, she knew that Jesus alone would understand her and forgive her. He could have very easily sent her away, right? Move along, lady. You're getting my feet all wet. Go along. But he did not even speak to her at that time. He accepted her worship because that's what it was. He was worshiping. Psalm 73, 21. We'll start with 21. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. Verse 22. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Can you see? This is David talking. Can you imagine what this woman is probably feeling right now? My heart's torn. I'm, I'm a crazy woman right now. I'm crying so hard that I'm, I'm, my, my tears are falling on your feet. Verse 24, yet I still belong to you, and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. 
whom I have in heaven but you, I desire you more than anything on this earth. I can only imagine this. This is welling up inside of her, and this is exactly how she's feeling, these words of David. I come to you knowing that you bring me counsel and that you love me. Luke 7.38 says she wiped those tears with her hair. Now her hair would have been all bound up, right? It would not have been down. It would have been bound up and she would have had to take it down. She was an outcast, an untouchable, unchosen. And she belonged to no one except perhaps Jesus would accept her. She would loosen her hair, let it fall around her shoulders, and take her hair and wipe off the tears that she had let fall in his feet. She didn't speak. It doesn't say that she said anything during this time. She just let her heart and her tears speak for her. Overcome with emotion and gratitude, she now did the most unthinkable thing that I can think of was kiss his feet. I don't know about you, but I do not enjoy kissing anyone's feet. Not even my husband's. I may rub his feet, but I, these lips are not touching his feet. <laughs> Just saying. So for her to do that, you guys, she's overcoming a lot of things. She's dropping a lot of weights. She's dropping a lot of things and hindrances to come before Jesus. Her walls are being taken down. Why in the world would she share this unabashed affection and total humility to a man that she'd only heard of and now in front of her? Physical affection was how she made her living, and it was all she knew to offer him at this point. Money had, money had been paid to her, often for her hands, her hair, her lips to touch. But she had totally left that behind and let those weights fall off of her so that she could come and worship the one that she knew would be able to help her. And then she used that little perfume that expensive perfume that she probably held very dearly, dearly and poured it on his feet in verse 38. Everyone around her is probably like, oh, are you seeing what I'm seeing? What is this woman doing? She's making a spectacle of herself. Why is she doing this? Can't someone talk to her? She needs to be escorted out of the room. But no one made a move from her, according to the Bible. But someone was thinking. We always have people thinking, don't they? And sometimes, a lot of times, what they think out here doesn't always translate out here, right? We can see it in their little eyeballs, though, their little brains are turning. Verse 39 says... When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, so he's looking, he, you know, he's the, um, the host, he said to himself, right? He did not speak this out loud. He 
he said it to himself. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching her, or touching him, sorry. She is a sinner. He was probably even mumbling a little bit. What? Okay, where's my servant? Get her. She needs to get out of here. Can't have this going on. My party. Verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. God always knows what we're thinking. There's a song in Sunday school that we sing. We haven't sang it in a while. It says, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a father up above who's watching down with love. God always knows what you're thinking. Don't be fooled into thinking that God is not listening to your thoughts, right? Because he knows. He says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And the Pharisee is probably like, oh, yeah, go ahead. He had no idea that God already knew what he was thinking. He's probably, oh, yes. Our guest of honor is going to speak to me. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus, and that's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, so notice this. He's looking at the woman who was there crying out to him, put aside everything, everything, her ego, what she did for a living, everything she put aside. And Jesus is now looking at her and said, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, God knows. <laughs> God knows, you guys. He knows everything about us. But they have been forgiven, so she has shown me so much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little. Simon's disgust at the situation of what's going on was quickly chopped. Jesus is like, mm -mm, nope, you cannot think this way. She has dropped everything, everything. She had left behind and searched after what is good. Simon saw her, but only for what she was not. I'm going to say that again. Simon saw her for only what she was not. How many times have we judged people or someone and for what they were not? Not what they are, but for what they are not. He had eyed her actions, but God 
knew and connected with her as a human. God was like, I see her for who she is. And that's beyond what you see. Barefoot or in sandals, travelers that day arrived with their feet covered with dust and dirt. And it was customary for the host to offer water and a towel for a quick foot scrub. But Simon, as great as he thought he was, dropped the ball. This woman embodied everything that would have earned her a four-star hospitality when Simon had dropped everything. We notice here that God does not condemn her for her sins or her weights. He doesn't even charge her to go and sin no more like he has told others. Jesus knew everything about this quiet worshiper. Perhaps she'd already decided in her heart, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Without a word, she expressed repentance. And without a, si a sound, she expressed a, a request for forgiveness. Without saying anything, but her actions spoke volumes to him. Our love and worship make beautiful to God. And that's what I have come to talk to you about, is that many times we long for that presence of God, whether we're at home, in the car, in church. We're looking for that. But so often we come to God carrying all these weights these things that are on our minds, right? Things that we are trying to fix or change in our minds, in our hearts, in our actions. And let me tell you, I know that. My personality type loves to mull over things. Ah. My brain likes to just think, oh, if I would have, oh, if I could have, oh, I should have. That's a weight, you guys. That's a weight that is on us because we are not releasing that to God. And when we don't release those things, they weigh us down and we come in before God with our heads down and not because we're sorrowful as far as looking for forgiveness, but sorrowful because it's the weight's just too heavy, right? So we're walking and we're dragging our feet because we have those weights on us. I talked to you earlier about some of these guys like Polly and Travis, you know, weightlifting. It's good for you, right? We need to lift weights. We need to be in shape. But there's also those times when we need to put those weights down and not be carrying them with us or on us. Sometimes we come to church and we feel disconnected. We're like, oh, what's going on here? I just don't feel you, God. Are you there? But yet, all around you, you can see him. So we need to release that. When the woman came to Jesus, 
she released everything. She didn't care that people would talk about her because it was going to happen. There was no way to hide who she was. She could put on a pair of sunglasses, right, and a hat and just kind of sneak in. They knew who she was. There was no hiding that. She had to leave that at the door and go, and go boldly before the throne of God, as it were. We need to go before the throne room of God boldly and dropping those weights so that when we come to worship him, whether it is at home, whether it is in your car, whether it is here in church today, you guys have to drop those weights. We have to put aside those hindrances because if you are carrying those and holding on to them tight, these are mine. And you're like, oh, Lord, I worship you. I give you glory and honor. It's hard to worship you guys with your arms folded in front of you. If you are in any management position or been in a um, work position, one of the first things they tell you is that when you're talking to a supervisor or as a supervisor you're talking to your employees, do not sit there with your hands folded in front of you. Right? Because what does that, what does that come across as? I'm not listening. I'm not listening, Lord. I got, I got to hold this stuff up. I got to hold on to this. I got, I got to keep it because, you know, God, you just know. <laughs> God's like, you need to let that go, girl. I have a little card that's about this big. I got, bless Elena and her mom. Her, Elena blessed me with a bunch of um, cards and envelopes and more cards and there is some s interesting stuff put in with that stuff um, and some of it I just kept it uh, because it's it's um, uh, unique right and I'm not ready to share those yet <laughs> well maybe there just hasn't been an appropriate time to share some of those not that they're bad don't get they're good they're very good but they're very, very outdated. So <laughs> um, the box full of a lot of you, I, mean, I don't know. So <clears throat> I grew up in a faith family where my mom was um, ladies, whatever, leader, and we used to have secret pals. Does anybody remember secret pals? Yeah. Okay, so that's why I've not given out those box of cards. They're still in my office because <clears throat> I just don't do those anymore. Um, but there's this uh, stack of little cards, like I said, and they have different sayings on them. And one of them has a daisy on it that says, let it go. And I have that on my computer because <laughs> every day there's something, I, a lot of things I need to let go, Right? But and as humans, I understand, and from experience, it's very hard to let those things go. It's hard to let go of some of the angst that we get from dealing with people 
or our children <laughs> sometimes. Um, it's hard to let go those worries, those anxieties. Well, what, you know, what, what, do they, what are they going to say about me? Because now I'm going to be completely different, right? Okay, I just thought of something. I wonder if she thought about that. Because once God told her, you're forgiven, she's probably, I wonder, thought of, oh, well, now what do I do? I've been doing this job for a long time. Now I've got to do something else. Have you guys thought about that? What if God asked you to do something? You've done something all your life. And now God's like, you need to let that go. You want to worship me? You need to put that weight down, and we need to go find something else to do. That my folks, is hard reality with God because God wants us to move forward. He wants us to let go of those things so that we can allow ourselves to be used by him and worship him freely without having those things tying us down, holding us down. And it's very easy to hang on to them and not letting them go and letting God lead and guide and direct us. This woman, what is she going to do tomorrow? She didn't know. She couldn't go back to what she was doing, right? I'm pretty sure God had it all figured out for her. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm pretty sure he did. People will talk no matter what we do. There's always going to be sidebars, conversations. Did you see what they did? Why, why are they not doing that anymore? Why did they stop? Why are they, why are they choosing that path? That can't be good for them. But you cannot let those people get into your heads because God told you let it go, which means you have to let it go. You couldn't, this woman could not let life and circumstances stop her from getting what she knew was a much better life for her. She had to let it go. You have to let it go. 1 Thessalonians, and Elena, I did not give you this. 1 Thessalonians 2 4 says, We are not trying to please men, but God. We forget that. We get so caught up in, like, oh, okay, Nicole, do I look okay today? Thank you. Thank you. We can't worry about someone going, oh, Cheryl, mm, yeah, that's not a good outfit on you today. Why did you wear that belt? What is wrong with you? Right? Because we get down to those nitty-gritty details, and we worry about them. We have to let them go. If you want to have a relationship with God that's full, you need to release those things so that it will not hinder your worship to him. Because ultimately, our lives are a worship to him not for ourselves. Um, I like this one thing from this study. It says, one person's beautiful is another person's ugly. How many go to garage sales? I used to when my kids were little, just because you could get cheap clothes, right? Kids' clothes. 
Some of those things, though, people, I'm telling you, at the garage sale, it's like, why did you not just throw that thing away? Who is going to use that? I was at my parents' house last night looking for some things, some legal things for my parents, and um, went down in a basement, which it's not horrible. It's not good, but it's not horrible. And I came across, um, I don't even know what it was, <laughs> this thing that you use for something. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Why is my parents still even holding on to this? Why hasn't someone thrown this away yet? I don't understand. When she came into God or in contact with Jesus, many people thought she was ugly. Ugly for who she was. Ugly for the way she acted. Ugly for what she did. God does not look at, that, at us like that. God sees beautifulness. No matter how we look at ourselves, God still sees us beautiful worthy but we need to drop those weights so that we can come to him freely and worship just as she did second corinthians 2 15 and 16 says for we are to god the aroma of christ among us who is being saved and those who are perishing to one we were the smell of death to the other the fragrance of life How we worship, what we're carrying on, God does not want us to have our lives affected and hinder our worship because of what we are carrying around. When we're carrying those stuff around, it affects how we act, it affects how we interact, and it especially affects how we worship. And God wants us to come to him with worship and fullness and joy, you guys. Not with hindrances. So in order to worship in fullness of God, we need to put aside that which hinders us. Can we read Psalms again, Elena? 73. So I want you to guys to keep this in your head this week. When you feel like weights are getting too heavy, Remember, I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. So, I don't know about you, but I've prayed this this week when I've gone crazy, right? So, my mom hasn't been in the best of health. She's been in the hospital for the last two months. And sometimes I feel like, man, I'm just rambling, Lord. Crazy. Yet, I still belong to you, and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom I have in heaven but you, I desire you more than anything on earth. In order to have that fullness and joy and worship, you have to put aside those hindrances, and you have to... Um, sometimes for you, for me, you guys, I have to physically go, Lord, okay, my anxiety level, I have to give it to you, Lord, because 
it's, it's weighing me down. I'm carrying something that I should not have to carry because you told me that I did, should not have to worry or care. Cast all my anxiety on you. So I have to physically, because I'm kind of a demonstrative person, so I feel I have to be that way with God, is collect it and throw it so that it helps me release and enjoy fullness of worship without any hindrances to him. Let's stand. Ooh, I'm a little early. Sorry, Chelsea. But as they say, I don't believe in beating a dead horse. So you guys got it. But now you have to go forth and use it, right? Because we can hear all day long. But then we become like our parents. Remember when your kids, or maybe as a kid, um, my kids were really bad about that. No, I shouldn't say really bad. That's not being truthful. Um, but they, I can still hear, and Brianna's here today. I can hear Brianna go, Mom, Mom, Madre, Mom, Mama, Mother. And my husband would go, can you not hear your child? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> we do that to God, you guys. We do the same thing to God. And then we wonder, what's the deal? Right? Get rid of those hindrances. Worship freely with him. So today, I encourage you in service today, in worship, put aside those weights. You have anything that's bothering you, I want us to pray right now before we go into second service and worship. I want us to pray and say, Lord, God, I'm carrying this. And it's weighing me down, and I'm kind of tired of it, actually. It's not building up my muscles. All it is is making me put my shoulders, hunch my whole shoulders over and putting my head down. I don't want that, Lord. I want my shoulders back. I want my head up in prayer today and in worship with you today so that he can come down and refresh us with joy. Let's pray. God, you are an awesome God, and I'm so thankful for your goodness 